Welcome to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast, where we explore the people and company cultures that shape the manufacturing industry. I want to take a quick minute before I introduce our guest this week. I really want to thank everyone who's listening. When I came up with the idea of starting a podcast that highlights manufacturing leaders and companies that promote healthy cultures, I thought I would have maybe a few people who would be listening. My mom, my dad, my wife, maybe my kids and, and friends in the industry. But so far, the response has been amazing to this podcast. We've been downloaded in more than 10 countries and have as have so far as of today been downloaded over a thousand times. I'm so grateful to this audience and the guests that have joined this uh, manufacturing culture movement. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. Today, we have a very special guest, Nicole Wolter. Uh, she's the president and CEO of HM Manufacturing. Nicole joined HM in 2009, working from the ground up in various positions. She has a background in chemical engineering and finance and has extensive training on manual lathes and milling machines and is certified in CAD and 3D modeling. Under her vision and leadership, HM has implemented new technologies and processes, machinery, ERP system, employee training, and marketing. This has enabled HM to expand its product lines and attract more and larger customers. Nicole also received her NIMS CNC mill operation certificate to increase HM manufacturing's production standards and efficiency. Nicole is a second generation manufacturer. As a skilled and seasoned leader, she is invested in supporting the next generation of manufacturing leaders and advancing the manufacturing industry. With numerous awards, publications, and certifications, Nicole is influential in helping promote legislation and public policies designed to stimulate industry growth. Nicole is on the board of directors for the National Association of Manufacturing and engages with political and industry leaders for advocacy throughout the country. Nicole, welcome to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey. I like that. That that might be the the new thing. I might have all of my guests say, hey, hey, when they join. That's awesome. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks for being for on. Yeah, absolutely. So, Nicole, tell us a little bit more about HM Manufacturing. What do you do? What? How big's the company? Tell us more. Well, you know, it's it's funny because people think we're really big and we're not. So I think that's pretty cool, too. But, um, you know, my dad started the business in 1979 and we've grown since, which is always good news. But um, what a lot of people don't know is that my dad started the business in the basement of my grandparents' house and couldn't come up with a name. And so my grandma was like baking cookies or doing something. And she turned to him, she goes, I think HM should stand for, it should be homemade because you're making everything at home. There's quality, there's love, there's passion. So, you know, that's what a lot of people don't know. That's what HM stands for. And uh, what we do is we do gears, splines, shafts, timing belt pulleys, 
a lot of power transmission components, um, but we don't do anything for automotive, which is interesting. The majority of our customers are in the food processing, beverage, packaging, aerospace, and defense industries. Um, and so we do a lot for the OEMs. We do a lot for space. We do a lot for the food industry. Um, and it's just really cool to see the evolution on where we were to like where we are today, which is really cool. Um, we have a young team. The average age is 32 out of the 25 employees that we have. So that's wow. always fun. Yeah. And I think that says a lot about, you know, when we're talking about culture and things that we're doing that's very different is that when you have a young crew and you have a lot, like a young team, you get to do some fun stuff with them because they're, they're already into it, right? They're into the yeah. technology. They're into that new creative space. They're all gamers. They all love to work on their cars. <laughs> so it's, it's cool. It's, it's been, it's been fun for sure. That's awesome. And, uh, to be honest, you and transparent with our listeners, you and I have never met in person, um, you know, cross paths on social media. I had no idea that that was the background story of HM, right? Yeah. Homemade. I love that. That it's is so cool. Awesome. You know what's so funny though? I used to hate it because I was like, why can't we just have, like, I used to tell my dad, like, why can't we have our last name? Like, everyone has their last name. <laughs> like, it's just so, you know, prominent. And then now, like being in the business for as long as I have, it it's different, right? It it brings it back to that home feel, that American made, that that story of coming from the ground up to being where we are today. It just it has a different connotation to it. And so now I just I run with it because I think it's it's a different part of a history that a lot of companies don't have today. Absolutely, uh, I think that's awesome. And. Uh... Is Walter your your family name or is that a married it, name? Yeah, it's it's our name. We love it. I wish I could use it more often, but <laughs> but if if you had gone with Walter back in '79 and the '80s, they had the yellow pages and white pages. You guys would have been at the end of the list uh, as as uh, potential co uh, customers were going through the the phone book. That's so funny. I would I would have never even thought of that. <laughs> That's Let's why you see ourselves here. Come on. <laughs> that's that's why you see so many companies that were started uh, pre-internet that have AA and then what they do, right? Because oh, okay. then they were top of the list on the, in the phone book. Crazy. I would have never thought of that, but that makes a ton of sense now because you're right. <laughs> The, the days pre-internet were pretty bonkers, I'll tell you what. Um, so, Nicole, today we're, we're just going to talk about culture. Um, and the first thing that I want to hear, and uh, I know that the listeners want to hear, is the cultural journey of HM, right? So, you start, your dad started in, in uh, 1979. You took over. So, so talk about the, the beginning. I mean, you grew up in this shop. What was it like being in that shop uh, between 1979 and uh, when you took over the company um, or, or even joined full time? Uh, what, what was it like? And, and talk to us about that journey. Yeah. So I was never in the shop or family business as a kid. Really? So yeah. So when I actually came on board the latter half of 2009, it was a shock 
for everybody, including my dad. <laughs> so um, what I walked into, it was, it's just interesting because I would always listen to my dad talk about the company when we'd have our family dinners at night. And mm -hmm. I just didn't think much about it. I, you know, being a young kid, especially in middle school and high school, like you don't pay attention to your parents at all. Like you're just, you find them annoying. So <laughs> I didn't listen to a thing that they said. And then, you know, you go to college, you, you have all these big dreams and ideas of what you want to do. And my parents wanted me to not be in manufacturing because that space for women truly didn't exist. Sure. And, um, you know, he, my dad had other people in the business that he thought he would be passing it down to. So I just was never in the thought process, which is fine. Um, you know, but going through 2008 when everything is somewhat collapsing and then 2009 yeah. when it truly did collapse in terms of that great recession, um, my dad needed a lot of help in the business and didn't really know what to do. And so I was coming out of college and I didn't really have a true direction. And he said, I think it'd be great for sales, but you can come and, and work for me. And I said, okay. Uh, but he said, but absolutely don't do it yet because I need you to go get like a, a job first and go get kicked around and get some tough skin because I don't want you coming in here being a princess. And rightly so, because I probably would have. So I, I worked in um, the financial industry for about, I would say, seven, eight, nine months, which was a good kick in the butt because yeah. those were the rough times to be in, in any finance industry. So wow. um, I showed up, my dad said, okay, let's do it. And it was interesting to say the least because there was no culture, right? It was um, a German father, cause that's what he is. He's very German and he's very um, structured and he wants things his way, his way. And it's the only way. Mm -hmm. And I have a Colombian mother. So I'm the mixture of the two, which is a crazy mix of, you know, fiery, and opinionated and stubborn. So now you have the father and the daughter and now you have competing egos essentially and and characteristics and personalities. So it was, it was interesting, but at the same time, I had to learn a lot. I didn't know anything about our business. So I was trying to get a feel for what we even did. I didn't even know what our customers were. I didn't even know what the machines were. I didn't even know the products we made. Yeah. So I started in, in the shop and I did, um, I did shipping, I did receiving, I learned how to flange, I learned how to install bearings, um, just like those types of things and inventory management. And then I started to like move through the office. And to this day, I, that is the greatest thing that I can, that I can say is that I worked in every department. So I did accounting, I did customer service, I did purchasing, I did sales, I did production management, um, I even went out into the shop floor and I, I learned manual mills and bridge ports and then became the NIM certified. So I could have a really good idea and background of every division so I could be useful. And I yeah. think that that was important. But at the same time, that's when you started to notice a lot of issues, right, about culture and sure. the expectations um, and the burnout. And I was burnt out because it, everything was just super stale. People had been there for a long time. I was coming in and people were like, what is she doing here? I don't want to listen to her. I don't, who is she? And, and so that culture mentality was going to have to change over time. And 
Um, you know, I had to make some tough decisions. I had to let some people go because they were never going to respect me no matter what I did. I was yeah. always going to be daddy's little girl. Um, and so it was about figuring out what did I want to do with the company? Like, where was this going to go? And there was a lot of change. And and that took time because it also had to start with my dad. My dad had to do the buy-in of understanding the changes that I was looking for for the next five years, 10 years. Like we wanted to grow, things internally were gonna have to change, including people's attitudes, right? And, and my dad's philosophy of my way, my way, or the highway, you don't like it, there's the door, get out. That no longer could take any sort of precedent sure. and I even had to do it with him because he just he just saw me as the daughter that worked here and I also needed him I was like listen if you don't respect me no one here is going to respect me I can change people in and out but if you don't if you and I don't start getting on the same page and realizing that when we're at work we're at work and outside of work we're father and daughter um it, it's going to be brutal yeah so that took years to kind of structure and implement and as we started to grow and kind of change out some of the the team members um i got frustrated with my dad because he would keep people here longer than they needed to right so let's just mm -hmm. say for example because this has happened um you know someone wasn't showing up or they would just randomly just do a no call no show or they'd be scrapping out a lot of parts. There was no accountability. And so when I wanted to bring that into the company, because I was like, this is not good. People think that they can do whatever they want, however they want. That's not a good fit, especially as you start to grow with these bigger customers. Yeah. Um, my dad's like, well, you can't get rid of them. Who, are you, who is gonna replace them? <laughs> and that's when I was like, I'm done listening to keeping the cancer people. Um, I need to do something differently. So I decided that it was time for me to spread my wings and start networking. And it, I did that because I needed to grow as a leader. I needed to grow as someone who could understand how to bring in different ideas and structure and policy that we weren't having because my dad no longer wanted to deal with the headaches. And I understand that. Sure. Um, and I have a different vision. I, I, I'm high energy. I like to do a lot of crazy things that my dad looks at me and just thinks that I'm insane. Um, <laughs> and so, and, and that's fine because I am a millennial <laughs> at the table all day, every day. Sure. And, uh, it, it was great because I then got onto a board from TMA, which is the Technology Manufacturing Association. It was their education foundation committee. Great. And that was so cool because not only are you giving back to the community, now you're meeting other high schools in the area that have manufacturing programs. And so cool. as I was meeting the principals and the manufacturing teachers, I was like, you know what would be so cool if we had an internship program because I thought how cool, like we have some of these seasoned people, how great would it be to start like backfilling that and, and bringing some youth and excitement into this company, a different energy, a different vibe. Yeah. And so I did that. And my dad was just beside himself. Cause he's like, who has time for this? Like, <laughs> how are we going to do this? How many we We're such a small company. And, 
and and that's what's so funny is that when I hear people say we don't have time or you know, where are we going to get the resources? I'm like, at that time I was only 14 people and I was still doing it. I made it work. Wow. And it wasn't about, and it's not lengthy. You know, some of these internship programs that I've curated over the past few years are only six weeks and they're only coming a couple days out of the week for a few hours, right? It's not about it's not about them getting on a machine and doing something, but it's about opening their minds and also having other team members kind of showcase their skills. Like I would, I would want someone to be like, oh, look at the cool things that I'm able to do. Absolutely. And I was in your spot maybe five years ago and look where I am today, right? So I wanted that collaboration so that kids that are maybe thinking about manufacturing or think it's cool, don't feel like they have to go to a college. They can start doing something here where I will pay for their training and I will get them that skill set. I will send them to schooling if they are willing and wanting to do it. So I did that and slowly but surely um, things started to change. So then it was some of the interns wanted a job. And so I figured out like, okay, they could start in like quality control and then eventually they can move into maybe like working in gear hobbing or they could work on setups and helping the guys who know how to program do their setups and touch offs. Like then you start to like create a different narrative for what you're trying to do. And it was just so cool to see just in the past five years that I've been doing this, actually six years, that it's morphed into something so great. So when I say that like our average age out in the shop is 32, mm -hmm. it's because I have kids that are like 18, 19, 22, 25, 35, 40, like we're young. Yeah. And it's so cool because I'm sad when my intern, so I do a, a year round internship and I do it in the front office and I do it out in the shop. And the front office is now people that kids are, are wanting to go into business or engineering or um, marketing. And That's so awesome. they get to shadow everyone in the office, including myself. And then we do TikToks, we do Instagram, we do <laughs> all of this stuff that I think isn't, it's not lead generation, but what it does is that it shows the masses what manufacturing is today. It's not what people think of it 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Like yeah. we have automation, we have the latest and greatest technology. And then you see peers that are like you. So it's relatable. That's and, awesome. And do we have time to make these stupid TikTok dances? No, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, what's the age of your interns that you have there? I, yeah. I mean, are they seniors? Are they juniors? No. So there's, there's 16, 17, 18. So they can start as early as sophomores. Um, for the shop, they can't really touch machinery, right? Because you have to be 18. Right. But you know, they can go into R&D. They can learn how to do the CMM. They can shadow. They can watch setups. They can understand tooling and, and fixturing and, and speeds and feeds and things that maybe they're not going to be able to do right away um, or learn. And, and they get a really cool idea and sense of, here's a, a piece of material, a raw, you know, blank, mm -hmm. and it's gone through all these different divisions. And so that's cool for them to kind of grasp and understand. And then, you know, we bring them into the office and we let them play with SolidWorks and, and do some CAD so they can understand how something from CAD generates out into the shop and how, you know, your tolerances and 
different specs really mean something yeah. um, and your GD and T. And so we try to give them a whole overview so that when they do go to school and they do go to their classes, that it now makes sense as to how it works. Yeah. And then of course in, in the office, it's different, right? They can start doing things right away. And uh, I do make them, so if you're, in, if you want to do marketing or you want to do accounting, I do make them go out in the shop and I'm like, all right, <laughs> so if they scrap apart, what does that mean? What does that mean for the P&L? I want things to be relatable so that when they do decide to go to college and then they do decide to get a, a bigger job where, where else, um, that they understand the process and they understand why certain things need to be the way they are, right? Why am I so crazy about scrapped parts or inventory or um, making sure that we're profitable on certain things because at the end of the day, it hurts the bottom line and it hurts raises. Yeah. So I try to be as transparent as I can um, for these kids early on because they're, you know, from the time that I went to high school, which feels like decades ago, and it probably <laughs> is, which is absolutely scary to think about, um, they're learning things at such a higher trajectory than I was. So all these kids, especially in the engineering side, they're already doing master cam. They're already doing 3D modeling. They're doing things that like we weren't ever really doing. Yeah. Um, and, and same with marketing. They have this, um, it's like an incubator EDU. And I'm sure some people have already heard about it, but if those that haven't, it's pretty much like the Shark Tank version for high schoolers. So you take a business class, you come up with an idea, you have local business leaders come and teach some of these classes and and teach them about you know product development and how to market and how to create your team and strategy and then you bring it at the end of the semester in a bunch of a panel and they decide if it's it was a good idea and if it could go to market and and how they can create it and did they find someone in the area that could produce this and to make it for a profit i mean it's just so crazy to think that this is how we're getting these kids re ready at yeah. such a young age. And so I think it's important to open my doors and have them come in and be able to get that real life experience and have it be applicable for the long term. Um, Absolutely. And I love it. And That's keep, so cool. Yeah, and it's, it's a cool energy. And I get so sad after the six weeks because I'm like, oh, <laughs> like it's just so cool because it's just, like I said, it's, it's an energy, it's a vibe, it's a mentality. and. Um, I get excited when they're learning something. I get excited when they're they're able to look at the analytics and and kind of change something for us that we didn't know. Mm. And and that's because like I'm so used to my everyday stuff that these kids are on social media nonstop. And so some of the things that they're thinking of, I wouldn't have thought of, right? Because it's sure. it's different. And, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to change our culture and the way that we go about prospecting and getting sales differently too, because, you know, our, the next wave of, of purchasing and engineers is my era, right? So the thirties, the, the, the millennials, the Gen Z. And so I want to start doing things differently because social media isn't going anywhere. It's just only going to get more intense. Yeah. Um, and so the more that I can have these younger kids, like get me to that next era, it's so cool. And the guys out in the shop, they think it's so fun when they get to play with the automation and the new technology. And, <laughs> and they love when these interns are there and they love being a part of TikToks because they think they're going to get famous. And so they're always asking, <laughs> like, 
did we go viral yet? I'm like, no, we have to do better. Your dance, your dance skills need to be better. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So, uh, did did the rotation that you did as you came on board in '09? Uh, did that help shape that internship program that you have? Because it sounds like they go through almost a six week mini version of what you put yourself through to understand the business in, in 09. Yeah, I specifically did it that way because I felt like that was the best way to, to learn and to understand versus just being pigeonholed into one area. And I also don't want these kids to get bored. Yeah. You know, the longer you just stay in, in one aspect, you know, I don't want these kids to get burnt out and be like, oh, like I have to go there and just do that again today. <laughs> and, you know, you, you hear all the, you know, the, the pros and cons of having these interns from other, you know, other peers and other colleagues that I have. And I just was like, I don't want it to be stale. Like I want them to walk away and be like, that was dope. Totally want to do that. <laughs> and, and that's what it is. So when they get to shadow me, it's fun for them. When they get to shadow engineering, it's fun for them because Alex is 23 okay. and he's young. And he went and, and did my internship program and my apprenticeship program, but he also started out in the shop and then morphed his way in here because I saw that he was better suited in doing this than he was machining. Okay. And, and I, I try to also give them an idea of, okay, so, what did you like about this? I'm always, so I guess when I talk about culture and, and trying to create something, I'm always asking my team questions. I want to get to know them. I want to know if they're bored. I want to know if they're, you know, if they're looking to do something differently, because the last thing that I want after you spend all of this time um, is to have them leave because they don't feel recognized or they don't feel like they're, they're gaining anything anymore. Sure. So, I'm always trying to say, okay, like, what's the next skill that you want? Like, are you happy in milling? Do you want to do something differently? Do you want to go try deer hobbing? Do you want to move around? Like, I think it's so important to get an idea of where everyone is and to have empathy, like empathy, but also um, keep things fun. And so I go out in the shop and there's a lot, there's been a lot of times, especially during COVID, uh, where I had to be out in the shop floor and actually run machines because, you know, life happens, right? Like either people had COVID or their family members had COVID or they felt uncomfortable coming to work. I mean, it was just such an insane time. Yeah. Um, and Lord, I don't even know how we got through it, but we did. Um, but it was just really cool to like get back on the shop floor. And I think that that gave them a, a better sense of, oh, she's in this with us. Yeah. So that's important. So even with like the interns, I'm always available. I want to know if they're having a good time. Are they bored? Do they want to try something different? Um, because, you know, kids talk and they're always on social media. So the last thing that I need is them to be like Snapchatting their friends being like, I can't wait like 30 more minutes to get out of here. You know, like, <laughs> that's that's their thing. And yeah. it's, it's really cool because now I have, um, I literally have, a wait list um, for like three high schools because so many kids have like all these kids that leave like tell their friends wow. and they just love it. It's they think it's so cool and I want that right. They don't need to necessarily stay in manufacturing, but I want them to have a good experience in manufacturing so they don't talk poorly about it, right? Because yeah. that's what it, it ends up being about. Is that you know um, I I mentor this one girl 
um, she found me on LinkedIn. She's 24 and she left a sizable manufacturing company um, because she didn't feel heard. She felt um, bored and she felt that she wasn't being taken seriously. And so she was asking me like as a, as a woman president in manufacturing, what should she do? And, and that's what you hate because I don't, yeah. you never want to hear, especially kids coming out of college that are, are young and impressionable, not liking manufacturing anymore because of one instance. Right. Um, and so I told her, I was like, you know, it's, it's about just that you were honest and it just didn't work out and that's okay. Try something, try another company, you know, and maybe this time around you can be a little bit more thoughtful about a job you, you take. And maybe you start looking for, um, a manufacturing company that has more females in that role so that mm -hmm. you could have some relatable situations. And so, you know, when I hear stuff like that, that's why I really take it to heart and, and make sure that no matter if it's an intern or an apprentice or someone that's a team member here, I want them to have a good experience. It's not always gonna happen, right? I mean, there's gonna be times where people have to be let go for certain instances, but if I can, if I can be more empathetic and be someone that, um, you know, they can come to when there's issues and problems, yeah. uh, I, I'd rather be that sounding board to try to change things if I can. That's awesome. That's awesome, Nicole. <laughs> This episode of the Manufacturing Culture Podcast is brought to you by TCO Strategies. A company is only as good as its employees, and a healthy workplace culture is essential to attracting and retaining those employees. TCO Strategies can help you assess the impact of your company's people strategies on the employee experience. We combine industry best practices, a proven system, and a knowledge of our clients to build a customized cultural roadmap. Invest in your team and create a healthy workplace culture with TCO Strategies. Visit tcostrategies.com. That's tcostrategies.com to learn more. So what what is the higher rate for you uh, of the interns? I mean, how many have you kept on after their internship, if any? Um, and, and, you know, do you, do you keep in touch with them e even if they don't stay on? Do you, do you stay connected with them on social media? Uh, do you hear about their careers after they leave the internship? Tell us more about that. Yeah, so there's been a few successful ones and, and some that aren't right. I think sometimes it's just when you're in the beginning stages of like planning out your internship and how it's going to work, you're going to, it's, it's not always going to resonate. Right. Yeah. So the more that I've done it, I've been able to, to make it a better experience. And so, um, out of the interns, none, because you know, they're interns and a lot of these kids that are in engineering, like they want to go to college and rightly so, especially, you know, in the front office when you're doing marketing and accounting and all of that. Yeah. Um, but for the shop, when they come after high school, it's actually been, I've hired every single person that's been through <laughs> uh, my internship apprenticeship program. That's um, awesome. Of course, they don't always stay, right? Like, and I'm totally fine that I'm their stepping stone. Yeah. I think that that's cool too, because, um, 
it's good for me. It's good for them. And, and I'm not, I'm not sour about it. And, and I, just like anybody, like, you know, you're going to, people are going to stay, people are going to go. Some people are going to stay for a couple of years and then off they go. And some have been in manufacturing and thought it's what they wanted to do. And then after two years, they're like, meh, <laughs> I don't think so. And like, yeah. that's, that's fair. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say it's really cool because um, I've, I've had a couple that have stayed here that have been through McHenry High School um, internship and apprenticeship and are here. And it's just really cool to see how they've flourished and grown. Um, and they've gone from just being just someone that was doing inspecting and now do five axis milling. Um, like I said, Alex here does all of our engineering and CAD and is just a whiz at just kind of doing fixturing and understanding how that process works when you have to use that for milling or turning and you need hob bushings or uh, secondary fixtures for turning. And, and that's so cool because I've been a part of that process and I've helped him grow into that person. Um, and then Adam, who came after McHenry High School 10 years ago, is running my entire shop and he's only 32. <laughs> so it's really cool. Um, that's to awesome. Be part of the process. Now, for the other interns that are in engineering, um, in the past three years, every, every student that has shadowed and been here, um, I stay in touch with. And one, um, his name is Armand. He was so cool. Um, absolutely adored him. And everyone did too. And he was such a whiz. Like at 17, he was already programming robotics and making his own robots. And he was on oh the robotics God. team for his high school. And he just knew what he wanted to do. So when I saw his resume, I'm like, I need to have this kid immediately. Yeah. And I reached out to my networks. And at this time, I didn't have a robot. And uh, Craig, who is at RoboJob, shout out to him. <laughs> I contacted him. I'm like, Craig, we've been friends for a long time, but I just need to borrow a robot. Like, here's this kid's resume. I don't want him to not have a good time here at HM. But I also want him to go into robotics because he's thinking of whether he wants to be in robotics or go into civil engineering. But I think what he's doing right now, he just, I just, I just know he needs to do it and yeah. I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick his career for him. I'm doing it now. So, um, I, they dropped off a robot for me, for him to use the six, the, the eight weeks that he was here. Wow. And our mom came here and was programming this robot to do everything and anything within a week. Wow. And it was just so cool to have other people in the industry be a part of that and understand the impact that that would make on someone's life. Yeah. And it's so great because Craig sent someone out to train him. And it, like I said, in one week he was doing, he was having his robot pick stuff up, put stuff down, do this, do that. It, he, we even have a TikTok of the robot dancing. So that was really cool too. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll find that and I'll share it on the, on the uh, LinkedIn page for uh, for the podcast. It was so cool. And, uh, and so he left here and he went to Iowa State. He's in the engineering program. Um, he just texted me last week because he wanted to stop by before he went back to school for break. And he did. And he got to see the robot that we actually have now. Um, he's on the dean's list. He is 100% committed going into robotics. Wow. And I, that was just like such a proud moment for me to be like, not only did he get 
such a great experience here at HM, but he keeps coming back and yeah. he keeps wanting to say hi and he keeps wanting to drop by. He's even um, had some of his friends that were younger that were part of his robotics team at high school. They are now going through my program. And so, so I'm saying like, it's the word of mouth. It's about the experience. It's about me as a leader and as a president reaching out to my connections and saying, hey, I don't have this, but could you possibly try to make someone's you know, life impactful by giving, but, but just donating it for a certain amount of time. And so I think as manufacturers and as presidents and leaders, this is the stuff that we should be doing. And yes, do we need to be focused on sales, of course, and, and being profitable and, and growth. And, you know, we have so many things that we have to be aware of. Um, but I get the biggest kick. And this is like why I do what I do, because to me, when you're networking, this is what it's all about, right? Like being able to go to your network and be like, all right, Craig, you've got a robot. I don't have one yet. You know, let me borrow it. Okay, Tony down the street, you're a welder. I've got a kid that wants to do welding, but I don't have anything. So for the last week, can he come learn welding? Sure, bring him on down. Like that's, that's the awesome. stuff that, you know, changes the game for manufacturing. And when we talk about the skills gap, this is what we should be doing. And I don't have time. We're a small shop, right? I've only got... 20 something employees. Um, I'm on five boards. I, I travel a ton. I'm on media all the time. And I, I do all the quoting. I do all the sales. I, I, I do it all. Um, wow. This is what gets me out of bed is like knowing like this is the cool stuff where um, you get to you get to change and, 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 and also give impact in the community. And, and that's everything I think. Absolutely. Uh, here in Arizona, I've started partnering with uh, a organization called Elevate Ed and it's a workforce development program uh, was at a high school uh, last week for a career fair for freshmen this week uh, spoke to those freshmen's parents because we're finding that of course that's the the biggest challenge in getting young people uh, interested in in manufacturing careers is is the the parental roadblock um, so, you know, I love this idea of the internship uh, for those companies that are listening that have said in the past, I don't have the time, I don't have the resources, I don't have the people, I don't have the partnership with uh, local high schools or, or CTE programs. What's your advice in a first step for them to get started and in building uh, an internship program like this? Yeah. So I would say the very first step is go to your local high school, see if there's a manufacturing program or a business program um, and, and just ask the principals or anybody there if they have an internship program um, and are they willing to start an internship program? Because I think it, it, it takes the schools to see that vision. And honestly, the fact that everyone's talking about skills gap, skills gap, skills gap, not everyone needs to go to college. More and more high schools today are starting to recognize that and start implementing all of these types of things, right? So whether it's um, an engineering class now, whether it's that FBLA and like the incubator EDU shark tank version, yep. um, whether it's having wood shop is changing now and they're they're adding more of manufacturing um cool i think it's just it's just someone's got to take the initiative and so if you're thinking like oh it'd be great to start having some sort of interns or apprentices 
local high schools or go to your community colleges. For sure, they're going to have something there. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you think about like curating the experiences and, and how long, start small. I mean, I did. I started it off where it was only like four weeks and it was only two days a week and it was only for like, you know, four hours. Um, okay. And and ask like your other other colleagues, your peers, do they have something that you can mock off of? Do they have um, sure. some sort of tools that maybe could work? And I started it off for social media because I wanted to grow my social media. So I reached out to my local high school about their business program. And so we started with social media and then I was like, oh, wait, but we have engineering. We could totally set up a, another um another work desk and have them do solid works and and take some older prints and work it backwards or take a a model of a part and have them draw it up it, it doesn't need to be monetized right i for for us a lot of times these high schools are just they're looking for these kids just to get experience so they can put it on their resumes to go to college yeah. and so it could be a donation. So some of these high schoolers, uh, so, you know, some of the high schools, it's a $500 donation towards um, the program. Others, I I actually pay. So if they're on the shop floor and now they're like 18, I'm going to pay them now because they can work on a machine and they can do stuff. So it, it's about figuring out what's going to work best and not overloading. And then also asking your team, hey, if I brought an intern twice a week, for a couple hours for four weeks um would you be interested in having them shadow and you teach them and so when you can get buy-in from your team that's yeah. you and so i did that i wanted to make sure like you know for me it's different i'll have everyone shadow me i'm okay with my time going elsewhere but when you're out in the shop floor and you know that your time is pressed because you need throughput and you have to get product out um, that's harder. So you have to make sure that that person's willing to, um, you know, take a couple hours out of the day to not be as efficient. And then as a business owner, be okay that they're not going to be as efficient and then support that. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. it, it it's amazing. I, I don't know if a lot of people in this industry or, or people in general equate culture and workforce development right and they the narrative has been for so long that we just need to to get people right we need uh to interest people so we fill that skills gap um but company culture plays such a, a strong role in being able to do that uh and it sounds like you've got a great template. Um, and, and so I hope anybody out there who's listening uh, is taking notes right now uh, and, and learns from this uh, journey you've been on. So Nicole, my next question is, where do you want the culture to be in the future? What, what do you want the culture uh, at HM to look like three, five, 10 years from now? Yeah. Well, you know, I, my main, how I view culture and and the company is that you know your people are your company and so if your people aren't having fun it's going to show in every aspect of their work of their attitude how they treat their you know their other team members um and so for me when i think of like five ten years from now i i like how it is like 
you know, my dad's older. My dad's turning 80 in June. Um, and so it's fun to see the polarity between him and me. You know, I hate saying this because I know it gets such a bad rap, but we are a family unit. Like everyone here really does get along. Like a lot of the a lot of the team members here outside of work hang out. Yeah. Um, and so I like to go out in the shop a lot every day. And I like to, you know, I, I like to talk with them. I like to hang out, see what's going on. I'll jump, you know, I'll sit on the bench and, you know, I'm sure I'm five foot. So like my feet hang and, and dangle and do all that stuff. But I like to talk to them one-on-one -on -one and, and ask like, so what are you doing this weekend? Like, what's up? Like, how's, like one of the guys, Eric, he just had a baby. And so I asked like, how's Peyton? What's going on? And, um, you know, I think just like trying to be supportive is super key. Yeah. And that's how the company culture is how I want it to stay and maintain. I want us to still have fun. I want us to still all have a relationship and have there be respect. And there's never going to be respect if I don't go out in the shop and I don't, um, ask them questions about themselves and how they're doing and what's going on with this job. Is it easy? Is it not? Um, I had one guy, his name is Nick. Um, his father actually just passed away over the weekend and he's, he's 18 and he literally came from the McHenry high school apprenticeship program and he has a full-time job with us. And oh, wow. when we found out that his father passed away, I said, do not come in, take as much time as you need. Um, and we're, we'll pay it. So if you want to take two weeks off, I'll pay you the two weeks. I can't even imagine as as a young kid how impactful that's going to be um, yeah. mentally as well. So he actually showed up Thursday, no, Wednesday. And I walked up to him and I was just like, Nick, you don't need to be here. Like, it's okay. Um, you don't need to worry about it. We've got it. I can get out on the shop floor or whatever. Like, you, you don't need to be here. And he goes, thanks. I appreciate it. He goes, but... Um, I like being here. This this makes me not think of the stuff at home. Um, and, you know, people make me laugh here. And so I just I, I just want to be here. And so it's those types of connections um, mm -hmm. where you can show empathy and others see that um, where when you start to hire, I'm very cognizant of the people that I hire that have to get along with everybody here. It needs to be a cohesive unit. I don't need other people showing up here. Um, and, and ruining that and tarnishing the years that it took me to get where everyone enjoys being with one another. It's super important. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, uh, I, mean, I go out on the uh, shop floor and sometimes I'm just like, Hey, what are you doing? Feel <laughs> their food. And I'm like eating their chips, you know, like it's, it's like being one with them, right. Being like a crazy person, but then also realizing that I'm not this president who sits in a glass office and is untouchable and unrelatable. Like I, I need them to know that like, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you, how do you ensure that cultural fit? How do you ensure that, that they're going to be the right candidate for you? Uh, if they're walking off the street, right? If they come in and they go through the internship program, you're able to, to, weed out the ones that don't fit, uh, for lack of a better term, but somebody walking in off the street, how do, how do you ensure that they're a good cultural fit with the, what you've built so far? So the very first thing is I'm the last person to do the interview. So it starts with my production manager. He'll interview that person and then take them around the whole shop and meet everybody. And then it'll go to customer service. So Camille here is is pretty much our our office 
guru manager. And since I'm not always in the office, I need her to buy in because that person is going to be dealing with Camille all the time. And then I'm the last person to interview. And I feel like I have a really good gut instinct about people and, and how they vibe. Mm -hmm. And of course I've made mistakes along the way too. We all have, but it, it's, it's really interesting when you have three people interviewing, um, how, how everyone's mindset kind of can collaborate and be like, okay, well, this is what I liked about this person. I thought this person was really cool because they asked this question and I got a good vibe because, you know, they, they spoke so highly about their past employer, you know, like it's those types of things. Yep. Um, and you know, when I go out on the shop floor after I have the interview, I say, okay, like, what'd you think? Like, what kind of feeling did you get? Oh yeah, I think it'll be fine. Of course, like sometimes they're just gonna like <laughs> not care, but yeah. I think it's really cool when you can get like a buy-in from more than just one person, um, especially because I'm not always here, right? So if Adam, who's my production manager, has to deal with someone on the shop floor all the time and Camille, because she's in scheduling and customer service has to go out and, and rearrange stuff and, you know, be a bigger part of that. Um, I think that's important. And then of course my dad, you know, my dad's the curmudgeon. Um, you know, sometimes he's in a good mood, sometimes he's in a bad mood. So I, I also have to put my feelers out there too when we're doing the interview process and be like, all right, so I've got a, a, a stubborn German father who at <laughs> times will probably come scream in your face for probably no reason. So are you going to be okay with that? Like it's just about kind of, being transparent and then watching their eyes get wide. I'm like, all right, so they're not going to be a good fit. So <laughs> <laughs> next. Yeah. Well, I love, I love the, the air of collaboration that you build around that hiring process. Right. I, I think that so often, it, especially in manufacturing, it's, it's a GM, it's a supervisor, it's a shop lead uh, that does the interview and then maybe the owner and I don't even know if they compare notes a lot of the time, right? It, it, there's definitely not a lot of places I've been, the level of collaboration that you have uh, around the hiring process. I think that's really neat. Yeah, thanks. You know, I, I'm, I'm proud of it. Um, like I said, I'm not always here. And so I, I think it would do the company disjustice if I were to hire someone and then they couldn't get along with anybody else here because I only thought about me. I have to be... I'd be very cognizant about everyone else um, because I want, like I said, like Nick saying, like, I like being here because it makes me laugh and it takes my mind off of everything else. That's huge. And so I want, I want people to feel that way when they walk through the door that they're actually excited to be here and that they like the people that they're working with. Um, Absolutely. Because it doesn't necessarily matter what I think because I'm not always here. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, and I will say real quick, that story about Nick uh, gave me goosebumps. I mean, that's, uh, we talk about empathy and leadership um, and sometimes it's just given lip service, right? You, you walked the walk on that one. So well done. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I do it because I care about them. And, you know, in today's age where everyone's crying for, for help, um, I knew that if I didn't if I didn't do that properly, um, and I didn't show care and and thoughtfulness and how I would feel if something happened to my father, right? I mean, it's always good to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Um, I, it would have been such a miss on everything, right? I mean, it's just you you have to be one with your team always, always, yeah. and it's not always about money either, right? Like 
if he did take the two weeks off and I did pay him, does that help me? No, but it, it does something to show good faith and that, hey, we're thinking of you and don't worry about it. Like, just come back because we value you. It's about valuing. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I that's exactly it. Uh, how do you value the humans that, that you interact with and lead every day? Um, and, and you've built the trust to where that's they your your team trusts you from the internships to your seasoned employees it sounds like they trust your vision your your passion your the mission of the company um and that's why they're cohesive and that's why they're they're all moving uh in the same direction with you uh, i think it's amazing so Nicole, what other uh, initiatives do you want to share? I mean, you've given uh, me and my listeners, I, I took a page full of notes myself uh, <laughs> already, um, but you've given our listeners a lot to think about and, and things that you've done. Is there anything else that you want to share about culture uh, at HM or, or advice to uh, your, your peers in the industry? Yeah, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's always good to be reflective and, and to kind of look at where's your team, where do you want them to be? Where do you feel like everyone's weaknesses is? And then kind of play off of that. Um, I think it's important that as leaders, we should know our team and what motivates them and what doesn't so that we could best be impactful on their end. Um, and, I, and I just think it, at the end of the day, it's about we're all human, right? Like we're all, we all have our issues. We all have emotions. We all have good days, bad days. There's going to be times where things don't work. But um, I think, you know, a lot of the times we have to be more visible to our team as as owners and as presidents um, and, and to remember that. And uh, I think that's when the company culture starts to change is when they can see that you're one with them and that you have, you know, their, their back. That's super important. That's, yeah. Uh, I, I'm rarely speechless, Nicole, but you, you have <laughs> me speechless. Uh, so well done. Uh, it, it sounds like you're doing amazing, amazing things over there. Uh, I wish you the best. Um, thank you. Uh, thanks for coming on today. Uh, thanks for being our guest and, uh, doing it on such short notice. So you're, you're a rock star, and I wish you the con most continued success possible. Oh, thank you so much. This was great. I had a lot of fun and, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. So thank you everybody for tuning in to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. If you have any questions or comments about how to build a positive culture in the manufacturing workplace, please leave them in the comments below or email us at jim at manufacturingculturepodcast.com. Uh, for those of you who are listening, please uh, rate the show, give us five stars, uh, leave comment on your review, uh, whether it's on Apple or Spotify or whatever, uh, platform you're listening to, uh, that really helps the mission that helps this journey that we're all on together. Um, it drives us up the charts. It's not for my ego. I'm not looking for anybody or any recognition. This is really about the people whose story uh, that we tell and highlight on this show. 
Uh, so remember to tune in to our next episode where we will uh, have yet another manufacturing leader share their cultural journey and three things that they've implemented in their shop to change their culture. Until then, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.